We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and this is the Walking With Podcast. God called you to walk with people. He called us to help you. Join us for a conversation at the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. Each week, our goal is to replace a little bit of your overwhelm with more confidence in caring for the people you walk with. Welcome back to the Walking With Podcast. This is episode five, and we are in a series on the frequently asked questions that we receive from pastors and people in ministry coming into our counseling offices. Last week, we talked about the four stages of conflict and how to help a couple navigate through a a fight that really is no longer about the thing that it started to be about. And it's only natural that this week we go into talking about what are the two things really necessary necessary for a couple to reconcile. Um, Maybe this is fitting. We're in February. Valentine's Day is coming up. There's love in the air. And so let's just talk a little bit more about relationships. Chris, what do you tell people who are walking with couples how to help them reconcile? Reconciliation, I think, is obviously a big thing in the gospel, right? Where God is reconciling himself, uh, us to himself, and it's all about coming back into the kind of relationship that he originally designed us to have, where we are connected, we are turned towards one another, and that there is no enmity between us, that there is no strife or or, um, residual baggage that has kind of built up between us. We are reconciled. We are in that connected relationship. And I think when when a couple or um, a family or any relationship has had some significant conflict or there is um, some break of trust or some big issue that has kind of severed those people from that connected relationship. Reconciliation is something that most people actually want because they want to be connected to their significant others, but they just don't know how to get there. And so um, in walking with couples who want that kind of reconciliation, uh, there are two things that are necessary. The first thing is that Uh, The one who has offended, the one who has done something to break the relationship or to break trust in the relationship actually needs to have some level of repentance. You cannot reconcile with an unrepentant person. And, And that's really hard because oftentimes the offended person, the one who has experienced the harm, Uh, wants to reconcile. They want to be back in relationship. And so they do a lot of work themselves to try to bring the other person back into relationship. But if that person is not repentant for what they did, uh, right, and and apologizing and and coming, turning themselves back into that relationship, there, there's no possibility. They have to turn themselves back towards that person and ask for forgiveness. And, you know, as we all know, repentance is not just the asking of forgiveness, it's actually changing your ways. And so learning how to change tone, learning how to change their behaviors, learning how to change whatever it was that was so deeply, deeply offensive to the other person, right? So the first thing that you need for reconciliation is the offender to be repentant. The second thing that you need in response to that repentance is for the offended to forgive. 
Uh, and that um, the, the term forgiveness is often really misunderstood, especially in Christian circles, where it's, it's the whole idea of forgive and forget. Uh, and I don't think that's actually what, what we're called to do because we can't ever forget. We, we're going to continually hold those scars. Even physically, when you're wounded significantly, you're going to have a, have a scar. The, the wound might heal, but the scar will remain. And so it's not a matter of forgetting what has happened. It's a matter of recognizing that ultimately the one to pay for the offense is not the one who offended. Jesus ultimately is the one who will pay for that sin, who will pay for that crime. And I, I relieve you of your responsibility to pay, right? That's actual forgiveness. And so I can turn towards you and I can say, you know, I forgive you, meaning I'm not going to make you uh, make this up to me. I'm not going to ask for you to, um, to, to do anything special other than to accept the forgiveness of Jesus. And that is the forgiveness I think Jesus asks us to offer one another. Mm-hmm. So as we, um, you know, there has to be repentance, there has to be forgiveness in order for reconciliation to occur. Now, what about people who are right now thinking, okay, wait a minute, what level of harm are you really talking about here? What about um, those who experience domestic violence or abuse or um, assaults? And what are you asking truly of people? And what Mm -hmm. level of hope for reconciliation do you believe in? Yeah, well, I, I do believe that ultimate reconciliation is possible because of the cross. Okay, I do believe that that is possible. However, when there is significant levels of harm that, you know, as you talk about, whether it's uh, domestic violence or sexual abuse or something, the call of God is not necessarily to be back in the same kind of relationship that you were before. It's, he's never going to ask someone to, to step back into a place where they'll continue to be harmed and harmed and harmed and harmed and harmed. Right, which is why repentance is important for recon- true re- uh, reconciliation. That, if example in your example, a domestic violence husband, for you know, is is not changing his ways, has not stopped being violent. There is no call for that that wife to step back into relationship with him. Right, so uh, that that I think is if there is a place of deep harm, and both parties are actually willing to do the work of actually repenting and actually changing, and then actually um, trusting that Jesus' sacrifice for that sin and to move forward, um, that I think is is ultimate reconciliation. But I don't know that necessarily everyone will want to walk that road. Um, some harm is so significant that it, we do need to actually distance ourselves and move away from that harmful place or that harmful person. Uh, and still we can offer forgiveness without repentance. Mm-hmm. And we can offer repentance without forgiveness. So either party is just still responsible for their own side of that. But um, in order for true reconciliation to happen, both have to occur. So what about, we, I mean, we've talked so much about story. And mm-hmm. even last episode, we talked about how story is at work in so much of the conflict that couples experience. Yeah. How do we reconcile, no pun intended, uh, repentance mm-hmm. um, and wrongdoing with the fact that there might be a story beneath that, a reason, an explanation. Um, not that it's an excuse, but there's backstory. And so is the person still um, required to repent 
and with all of that backstory. And if repentance happens, doesn't it have to include a level of understanding of that backstory to give true forgiveness? Yeah, I think we are we are responsible for our actions. So if today there is some offense that has harmed you, right, then I am still responsible for that, even though it may be coming from a deeper story of some uh, something that has a trauma that I've experienced and I'm defending myself or something. I'm still responsible, right? I think we we as adults still need to hold that level of, uh, of responsibility for who we are. Mm-hmm. It is interesting that Paul talks about it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, right? So after we hold responsibility and kind of deal with the consequences of what has happened today, right, then it is a movement into a space of kindness towards that story and towards that part of me that was acting that way or that learned how to act that way and respond that way. That kindness is going to lead to an even deeper repentance um, from from the story and how I've been so committed to protecting myself in this certain way, for example, right, that, that I can repent and change in that way, not just on the external today, but on the internal back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, as we as we talk about reconciliation, um, I think one of the things that I hear a lot too, especially from people in ministry, is that it feels like reconciliation is the ultimate. That if there is an offense, reconciliation must occur. And this is actually a place where I see a lot of spiritual abuse. It is this demand by people in uh, in. Uh, pastoral positions or in ministry positions that kind of force someone to uh, forgive or force someone to repent where they're not actually ready to do that. Uh, or it's, um, it's a matter of like see- seeking that reconciliation is the ultimate. It's that everybody needs to live in fully reconciled relations at all times in all ways. Uh, and that's not necessarily the case, right? We're not continually going to be reconciled to everyone who harms us. Uh, it is a, it is a call. I think it is a, a hope that in the kingdom of God we will be reconciled uh, to God and to one another. But ultimately, that won't fully come until the kingdom comes. And so, when I say spiritual abuse, I mean it's almost like using these the tenets of of the gospel and the hope of the gospel as a force to make someone do something that that they don't necessarily, they're not ready to do or that they're not willing to do or, or whatever. Um, it introduces guilt. It introduces shame. It introduces uh, some level of, you know, put the face on and fake it till you make it kind of a thing. And and I think that actually re-perpetrates a lot of the harm that has happened in that person's life already uh, and, and spiritualizes it or makes it kind of this, this Christian, uh, Christian ultimate uh, kind of a thing. So do you have an example of what that would sound like? Um, for for somebody who's so now this is the actual individual yeah. in the care of a ministry leader. What does that sound like? Yeah. So let's take your example of domestic violence, for example. And um, I've dealt with this a lot actually in in counseling, where uh, he has done something to her, and um, say for example he has hit her, or um, you know even in a situation like an affair, right? So there's been some egregious offense that he has done towards her. The, the man then comes to the pastor, he confesses, he says, you know, all that happened and he explains all that happened. Um, and then the, the pastor also then meets with the wife and, and she explains all that happened. But then the, the pastor, the minister says to the wife, well, he has apologized. So now you need to forgive him. 
right? And uh, that's not, that's what I'm talking about. She doesn't need to forgive him just because he apologized. She, do you want to forgive him? Are you ready to forgive them? Is there, is there a space that you feel like this has been such a pattern? I know that I need to distance myself from this, this violent man that I actually need pastor, minister, I actually need your help to get some further distance rather than this forcefulness of pushing her back into the home and back into that kind of a situation where she'll, she'll experience abuse again. So um, that I think is what I'm talking about where, you know, the call of God is to forgive each other. Um, so he's asked for forgiveness and you're not offering it to him. Now you're the greater offender because you're not forgiving him. Hmm. So you're saying that apology is not synonymous with repentance and that forgiveness is um, conditional a little bit on where the forgiver is at. Yeah, no, apology is not synonymous with with um, repentance and that there's, uh, especially where there's patterns of violence or patterns of abuse, apologies can actually be used as a method of abuse. It's the, I will, I will harm you and then step up, you know, a day or two passes and then I'm all apologetic towards you and I'm so sorry for what I did. And then the cycle just starts all over. I win you back and, uh, and then all of a sudden you're back into the good graces and now I will perpetrate against you or harm you again, right? So repentance is moving away. It is changing your ways. It is finding some moving as, as Colossians talks about moving from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It is actually changing. Uh, so an apology is maybe the beginning of that, but it is not, it's like the first foot of a whole mile, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and repentance is far, far more than that. Mm-hmm. So repentance is completely turning and changing behavior. Forgiveness is letting the offender off the hook. Um, that's what Jesus did is, is took that whatever punishment needed to happen, but it's not forgiving, forgetting, and it's not necessarily returning to the same situation and the same relationship. Yeah. And those are the two things that you're saying are crucial to true reconciliation. And I want to say too, like reconciliation takes time. It's not a one and done. It takes time. And, and an analogy, a kind of word picture that I often use is, is that if there are kind of two sides of a, of a big valley in this, uh, the cliffs, right? And you've built a bridge across, uh, across that valley. When, when some big event happens that destroys that bridge, right? Then that relationship is destroyed. Repentance and forgiveness is actually turning back towards the rebuilding process of that bridge, but it is going to take time for people to meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I think far too often we expect people to have that one and done conversation, the forgiveness. Did I forgive them? Yes. Well, I need to forgive them again today, Mm -hmm. right? I need to forgive them and I need to repent again today. I need to continue the changing process in order for the bridge to be rebuilt. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a, reconciliation is possible and it's a Mm long-term experience. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope that that is helpful to some of you who are walking with couples that are in different stages of conflict, experiencing relational um, tension in different ways. I want to invite you to come hang out with us on Facebook. We have a group. Um, You can find it in Restoration Counseling Center's 
Facebook page and it's called Front Lines. It's for those of you who are on the front lines of ministry and we are there noticing what you're saying and asking and responding and interacting. That's a great place to just ask us more questions. We're also taking questions on the website, RestoryLabs.com. Down at the bottom, it just is a place to submit a question that, that we could also answer here on the podcast for a larger audience. So I invite you to do that. Again, if you are enjoying the Walking With podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or on our YouTube channel and consider leaving a review so that others can more easily find this. Uh, We'll see you next week, same time, same place on the Walking With podcast.